you know, I'm, I'm working all these hours and I'm not spending time with my family. Um, you know, I've, I feel like I've just been partially living up to my full potential. I've been, I've been doing, I know I can go higher, but I've just been operating at a certain level. And I, I feel like if I were to go right now, I'd be so disappointed. That was the thought. Hello, and welcome to The Art of Lost and Found, a podcast all about the process of creative recovery. From those low lows to the high highs, this podcast explores what it means to be a truly creative person and how creativity is a superpower that we all have that we can use for our own well-being and transformation. I'm your host, Brooke Esten. So thrilled to have Corey Johnson on today's episode. Corey is an internationally recognized brand strategist and brand identity designer, as well as being the co-founder of Viral Impact Studios, which he created with Prince EA, a spoken word artist and global phenomenon of an influencer with millions of followers. Through Viral Impact Studios, as well as his private client work, he helps influencers, entrepreneurs, and social enterprises to clarify their brands so that they can connect better with their audience, scale their impact, and strategically grow their business. More recently, he launched his music career under the stage name Corey Iris and has been launching track after track of heart-touching, feet-tapping, body-moving music that to me sounds a little bit like a cross between Drake and The Weeknd, but definitely with his own personal, unique flavor and style. Corey and I met last year while working together to clarify the ecosystems of brands that I was growing at the time. I was so struck by his creativity, patience, pattern spotting ability, and deep commitment to service. In this episode, Corey goes deep. He shares deeply personal experiences about his childhood and what led him into entrepreneurship in the first place, a near-death experience at a Drake concert that helped him to refocus on what really matters, and his exciting predictions about a more vibrant, diverse, and multifaceted future of the creative space. This is hands down one of my favorite interviews. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. Hello, Corey. Welcome to the Art of Lost and Found podcast. I am thrilled to have you on today. Thank you for having me, Brooke. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, so the reason I asked you specifically on this podcast was because I am fascinated with your continuously evolving story. I came across you I don't, I don't even know, perhaps a Google search or something. I found your brand work, was wildly impressed and really blown away by the work that you've done in the world, the clients that you've worked with, and just you had this clarity and confidence and structure to you, to the work that you were presenting, but it also had such energy and vibrancy and creativity. And it's rare to encounter somebody who has been able to present both of those pieces so well that even before I met you, I felt like I knew you somehow. And then the interactions that we had um, initially as we were exploring working together around my brand, you just exceeded all of the expectations that I had around your ability to identify patterns, to be insightful, to, uh, to be creative. And it was done in such a way that was so generous and warm. And I felt like you were deeply committed to being in service of helping people reach their own creative potential. 
And since then, I've seen you launch your, your music career, and I'm obsessed with your music. I have it on all my favorite playlists. I'm listening on repeat, <laughs> totally fangirling around that. And yeah, the more, just the more I find out about your story, the more I'm like, yes, the world needs to hear this. This is important. This is inspiring. And I was so thrilled that you said yes to chatting with me today. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm honored that you've invited me on. I'm excited for this. I'm excited. Yeah. So to give a little bit of, of context for people who aren't familiar with your work, can you share a little bit about the work that you're doing in the world and, and sort of what your days are filled with right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I run uh, the Influence Society. Um, you can check that out at brandedbycorey.com. And then on the flip side, um, the co-founder of Viral Impact Studios. Um, everything is evolved around branding. And um, one's an agency, one's a consulting agency. Um, so yeah, that's the brand work I'm doing. And then during the day when I'm, uh, sorry, by night, I'm, I'm usually making music um, under my stage name, Koi Iris. And um, so that's, that's sort of my day-to-day, day-to-day. So basically what a day can look like is um, I can either be doing brand identity work, developing someone's brand. I can be doing consulting, helping somebody clarify their brand. And when I'm not doing those, um, it's, it's usually team management, um, team meetings, things of that nature. And yeah, then the creative work, um, whenever I can fit that in, if not during the week, by the weekend, and then getting to the studio once a month at least yeah very cool yeah. so that's that's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much me yeah um, and, and you're I'm, doing that work now from from what seems like an epic bali experience yeah yeah uh, I, th- I feel like that's probably been one of my biggest motivators to grow my online business is because i remember once upon a time I was in toronto and I always, I always had this, because I'd see these people online, I'd be like, how, you know, how do they manage their business, but also work on the goal and like still stay focused and like committed? Because um, it, it, it was just hard to sort of um, encapsulate that idea. And it was, a, it was just a vision I had. I remember going to sleep or actually right before I, I would go to sleep, I'd open up Airbnb and I'd type in like places like Bali and like these places I wanted to go and I'd look through these Airbnbs <laughs> and I'd close my eyes and I'd visualize like me being in that Airbnb sort of like living. Um, and then I'd, I'd also like look at different places, just scenes and I'd, I'd just try to visualize and feel as if I'm already there. And then I'd go to sleep and I'd wake up the next morning and do whatever I had to do to make that feeling feel real enough for me. And then I feel like eventually it, it, it sort of manifested itself. Um, yeah. 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 Did you do that just from an in- intuitive place or was that like a law of attraction technique type thing? the the visualization and into manifestation yeah um i think definitely came from a technique uh just like youtubing and things of that nature just because how i guess more of like a a strategy is like if if you want to you know bring something into reality it starts from here it starts from our thoughts because our thoughts create you know how we feel and the way we feel dictate our behavior and our behavior dictate the results we get so i wanted to i wanted to the best of my ability start to bring those thoughts those ideas and those emotions cuz also the brain has a reticular activation the reticular activating system and basically what that does is help your brain focus on so essentially what we feed our brain is what our brain will continue to focus on and it'll sort of blur everything out and just focus on that pinpoint so once you feed it those goals and those visions and those ideas it'll reverse engineer how you can best get there mm-hmm. um I yeah and it, yeah so I guess it's like the neuroscience side, but then also like the law of attraction side where it's like, you know, you whatever you put out is what you're gonna get back and whatever we focus on will pull together the people, the opportunities, the coincidences that will eventually get us to that place. So that's that's just my philosophy. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm with you there. The 
the law of attraction without any of the additional complementary science for me feels a little bit too woo for me to, to really lean into. But then the neuroscience without the the mystery of how how the world works and how encounters and opportunities and serendipities start to reveal themselves. I think it's the synergy between the two. I would love to unpack a little bit before we get deeper into your story and go more into the creativity piece. As a professional creative who somebody you know, in your work, you you have creative deliverables, like creativity is made tangible. How yeah. do you think about the concept of creativity? Like, mm. what does creativity mean to you? That's a really good question. <laughs> it can mean a lot. It can mean a lot. Um, it, it's quite an open book. I think in context with, let's say, my branding work, it can... It can be it can be figuring out, okay, what's the overall arching strategy here? And how do we take this this strategy that's going to how do we take the strategy that's going to help the thing perform, whether it's a campaign, whether it's a piece of content, um, a brand message, but then say it in a way where it connects with the authenticity of the brand or person we're trying to cre- create it for. Um, but also formulate it in a way where whoever is going to experience that brand content, you know, piece, et cetera, um, how it's going to capture their attention. So in, in that way, it's, it's figuring out, um, I guess that's sort of like creativity with structure. But then when it comes purely to like, say, my art, I feel like creativity is being a channel or an instrument and realizing that you know, these things sort of come out of thin air um, and to just be like that channel or be that instrument that just sort of like, let's go. Because it's, you know, from say like the, the my business side, it's very like control. You got to like, you know, keep things organized, structured. But then the creative side is that's what's also taught me like more recently in my adult years to slowly like let go of that control and just be more like relaxed about it and just let it flow, let it flow. Um, so yeah, so I feel like creativity is flow essentially. Yeah. 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 The way that I've come to describe it in the context of my work is actually what you said right before I asked you that question. Um, when we were talking about the, the visualization to manifestation, I define creativity as the bridge between your imagination and your reality. Yeah. So in the context. Mm, I love that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because yes. it, it captures both, right? Yeah. Like when the client has a vision and uh and they're clear on what the essence of the brand is, of what they're they're trying to bring into the world, but they don't know how to bridge it from the imagination to the reality, that's where you come in and sort of do more of the structured, tangible magic of of giving it life giving these ideas life so that they can fulfill some type of purpose, right? But then when you're in the context of making your art and doing something that requires the control not being on the final product itself, but more the control being focused on creating an environment that is conducive and inviting to that muse (laughs) that comes and sometimes she comes, sometimes she doesn't. She's uh, can be fickle and moody, but I think our role and our job as creative channels or, or receptacles is to create as inviting of a space as possible to create the conditions for flow, right? Exactly. And sometimes yeah. you can hit it and other times it's like, okay, not today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I feel like there's things like habits we can do to, to help optimize because that creativity isn't always going to be there. That's the thing about creativity. It, it has a mind of its own. So it's like what we can do is work in these little habits, like let's say like breath work or like meditation, things that can help optimize and open up that door uh, more often. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mm. definitely want to want to get into that uh, piece specifically, but before we yeah. go into how you how you invite and maintain your creativity now, 
I would love yeah. for us to go all the way back to little Corey in Canada, little, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> little Canadian boy. Um, and let's get into how your creativity first started to surface in your life. So for some mm. people, they were playing with toys and building yeah. structures. For others, they yeah. were digging in the dirt and catching worms. For others, they were putting on performances and shows for their family. Like, how yeah. did your creativity first start to reveal itself to you? The day, the day my mom walked in, she, she brought me this gift. Um, and I was like, what is that? I think I was five years old at the time. Um, of course, and um, she she pops this gift in, and I'm like, what is that? She's like, oh, you'll see. And she opens up this other thing. It's like this square thing, and like she puts it in the thing. She closes it. She presses a button, and then I hear the sound. I'm like, what is this thing? She's like, it's a cassette player. And I was like, oh. And I'm like, whose voice is this? She's like, Michael Jackson. I was like, oh. I like this and so <laughs> so she started dancing. we started dancing and then she left the room and then probably I, I don't even know how many hours I was just there listening and dancing um so it started through music and like dance yeah. um yeah yeah and then over time um I always wanted to be in a, an inventor when I was a kid for some reason so I had like this shoe box and I'd create, um, I don't know, I just think of ideas, like simple stuff, like why don't we combine a washer and a dryer together? And like, I just throw that on a piece of paper, like throw it in this box and like, why can't we rewind TV? Like, you know what I mean? And like, <laughs> throw that in the box, like stuff like that. Um, I think that, that was another way. Um, and, and then another, so I used to get, um, so my mom used to bring home letters, uh, size papers, uh, for, for like printing paper and stuff, our printer at the house. So I'd have all these stacks of paper and I was like, what can I do with this? So I'd like rip them, I'd rip, cut them up and I'd make like these paper statue things. And I was like, this is cool, but like, I'm kind of bored of this now after like making like maybe three or five of them. And I was like, I'm gonna make booklets. So I, I, I'd probably like staple like 30 together, make these little booklets, take it to my after um, daycare program and sell it f to my friend's <laughs> parents for like a dollar or two. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, that's sort of my entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. And then over time um, around I just don't want to skip anything. Um, say around high school, started a dance uh, team with uh, a few friends of mine. Um, that was that was a lot of fun. That was a lot. I love. I still love dance. Um, wish I could be a little better sometimes, but I'm still. You know. You know. You gotta do what you gotta do. But um, yeah. Uh, what else? What else? Dance and then creativity. Yeah, we'll keep it at Young Koi. That was like the majority of it. Yeah. Um, actually, so w one last thing, how I yeah. got into graphic design, I, I was 13, there was this online game I used to play and I wanted to be a part of the team so I can get a little bit more perks. And they're like, well, you know, if you know graphic design, you know, you can get on the team, da, da, da. So I was like, all right, I'm going to learn this Photoshop thing a little bit. So I, I downloaded Photoshop, um, took all these tutorials on YouTube and I got, I got decent, like I wasn't like amazing, but I was okay, you know, I could do a little thing or two. And um, so I learned it, didn't end up getting on the team, but I still knew how to make my way around Photoshop. And then when I was 16, my mom got into um, some financial troubles and it got pretty tough. And I, I thought to myself, you know, number one, I, I wanted to support her and I was like, okay, what can I do? And I'm like, I know how to use Photoshop. You know, businesses need like designs, graphic design, logos, things like that. And I was like, okay, let me start a graphic design business. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's actually the door that opened into how I got into the branding world. That's so fascinating. I mean, it's, it's what's, really clear to me is that your creativity, although the first introduction of it with the, the Michael Jackson cassette feels like it was more about um, 
pleasure and like embodiment and just a reaction. But then as you went deeper into how creativity started to evolve from there, there's a really, really strong practical element of your creativity. Like with the inventions of having a washer and a dryer, you know, and it's just so clear that you were already thinking beyond just yourself and thinking about how can my creativity be in service to other people. And it's not surprising to me at all that the entrepreneurial piece came in so early because when you're thinking about creativity from that um, that perspective or in that channel of like my creativity is connected with other people and connected with the wider world versus more of an internal creativity like imaginary friends or just having a painting or drawing practice it's not shared with anybody else your the flavor of your creativity has service baked into that so it's always so fascinating when I ask this question you know so far, 100% of the time, what has come up in that childhood creativity is the same thing that people are doing now, but just in a different manifestation. I guess just to backtrack a li- just a little bit. Yeah. Um, are, are there, there are two subtle signs of there's an entrepreneur uh, sign and then there was the music sign. Um, around the time I was actually, the entrepreneur side popped up again. When I was in grade six, I remember we were we were learning about career uh, don't mind the volley dogs um we're, we're learning about like careers and stuff we had like maybe a, um a couple months talking about that trying to get everyone i guess the, the teacher is trying to get everyone thinking like okay where do you want to go in the future and i remember he he'd went around the class and it came, finally came around to me and he said corey what do you want to do and I was like, you know what? I want to be a businessman. And he's like, well, what is that? And I was like, I don't know. I want, I want to be a businessman. He's like, well, you know, you should probably choose something within. There was an actual list, and people were just choosing things off this list. And um, I remember saying, and he's like, choose something else. Choose something from the list. I was like, but I don't really want to choose something from the list. I just wanted, that's what I want to be. And then it got to a point where I ended up saying, all right, I'm going to be an accountant. (laughs) And we literally had to, yeah. And I remember, I remember from that conversation, because I never, that was the first time actually, like we, well, at least myself actually thought about careers and whatnot for the future. And there was a, there was a rebellion and a rebelliousness in me that sparked up after that conversation, because I felt like someone else was trying to impose their idea of me onto me. And I was a little bit of a class clown too, if I'm being totally (laughs) honest. And I feel like that might've bumped up my class clown (laughs) tendencies (laughs) after that conversation. Yeah. Um, Now now there's positive connotations. We call someone like that a disruptor. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And uh, so, so that's when I knew like, okay, I do want to, um, I don't know, I do want to work for myself one day. That was the idea. Mm-hmm. And then uh, fast forward, I was 13 and I was trying to like write songs and stuff because I was really in an usher. Um, <laughs> I, it was like, it went from like Michael Jackson to usher to like Chris Brown to like Drake and mm-hmm. the list goes on. Yeah. But um, I remember trying to like write songs like usher and I'm like, in the club, did it? I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> it, it just didn't sit right. It didn't work well. A 13 year old writing about being in a club when you haven't yeah. been in a club before. <laughs> but you know, you know, I was trying to get creative. And then um, fast forward in high school, uh, a friend of mine had a studio uh, in his like uh, just in his room, and like the closet was like the the booth. And um, I remember making my first song. It was super silly, but it was so much. I remember it was so much fun. Um, and then that's when I knew, like, I really like this music thing, like for real, for real. But it was like it was it was interesting because it was um, it was like a fleeting thought, or like a pipe, almost like a pipe dream, where it's like I knew it was super cool and something I wanted to do, but it was too far like out there, where it's like uh, it's just not it's just not realistic. Actually, was a thought, and. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's and that's, that's sort so of interesting. The, the hints. Yeah, because you're you're 
talking, I mean, as you get older and you're referring more to your teenage years, there is a really yeah. strong connection with creativity and money, right? In, in mm. business. And it seems like you mm. learn to use your creativity as a tool to generate money. And this is yeah. part of where a lot of people's creativity starts to separate is when they understand or they come to believe that their creativity is a tool for them to earn money and that's it. So if they aren't good enough to earn money, then creativity doesn't really have much of a place in their lives. So yeah. it's interesting to, to, to hear you share your story about how important and essential creativity was for you in, in your body, in your um, social interactions with your friend groups, like all of this. But you also used your creativity in another way to, to help you survive and to help you yeah. generate the income that you needed at that time. And yeah. there's these, these huge myths that it's interesting because I'm starting to see them overlap just a little bit in your story of creativity being something that is a tool for you to make money but also creativity as something being fundamentally essential for having a rich, vibrant human experience, right? The, the things that make you come alive yeah. and make you feel like, yeah. damn, I love this. But then yeah. you inserted this, it's not realistic. So I'm, I'm curious how you merge the, the very common myth of artists don't make money. This is not realistic. Yeah with yeah. your experience thus far of using your creativity as a tool to make money. Yeah, yeah. I, I think just to touch on, on the myth first, I feel like where it comes from was in the industrial age, let's say now we're in the digital age, in the industrial age, you know, social media wasn't this thing where you can actually build a career off and connect with other people and grow your business, grow your following, things of that nature. So I think that that limiting belief comes from that generation that lived throughout those times when, you know, social media specifically wasn't there to connect people. And because and essentially, you know, how we grow on social media is through creativity, because that's how you grab attention. That's how you engage people. That's how you stand out. Um, and now we just live in an entirely different era. And when I was, so when I'd started the business at 16, uh, I remember, you know, creating my website and doing the business cards thing. Those were a thing back in the day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember I got to the point where I had to figure out, okay, how's this marketing thing going to work? Like, how do I actually get clients? And I'd done a lot of research learn more about social media marketing, um, direct response marketing, things of that nature. And in the direct response marketing was essentially, um, you know, like lead generation, how to generate sales, things of that nature. And it was very kind of like black and white, like straight principles. But I was like, ah, this doesn't feel like me because, you know, I'm not like that hard salesman. And like it for, for me to actually put myself into it, I feel like it did have to feel like me, especially because now being older and reflecting what was going on in the back of my mind, because in a sense I was um, suppressing my creativity, say when it came to music, I think because of that suppression, on that end of, um, on that side of things, it was almost creating a stronger to desire to express myself create creatively in this business, this new business thing I was trying to build. So I was like, how do I like make this thing feel authentic to me? And so I started getting creative. Um, I uh, started like creating posts and putting myself out there, creating these videos and just trying to like be me as much as possible. Um, and that I think that was sort of the breakthrough and over time that that built up and now what got me to push things over the edge were a few um, few things in terms of like helping the business grow and um, putting myself out there more um, one big motivator was that um, during those you know the the, the financial struggles that my mom and I had um, it got to a point where I remember, uh, so this is actually when I was still in high school. 
<laughs> essentially there was no hot water, there was no electricity. Um, and uh, luckily not for too long, but it, it was just like a moment where it's like, yo, this feels like rock bottom. If I don't know what rock bottom is, this might be rock bottom. Um, and I remember having to, having to throw, having to boil up some pots of water, um, throw on, you know, throw that in the tub, mix in some cold water, uh, shower up and then head to school. And it was like nothing happened. And that created that drive to go from, I want to try to make this work to this has to work now. And from there, um, I, I think the second motivator was then getting into college, having more momentum in the business, having um, clients and trying to do the school thing at the same time. And it was quite overwhelming. It got to a point where I remember waking up one morning, heading to heading to school, pulling out my phone as I'm as I'm making my walk uh, to, to get the bus and I'm, I'm checking my mail and I received this email from a client and just to paraphrase, the email essentially said that they'd been working, you know, 18 hour days and, you know, they're trying to create this future for their, their family and their children and that they noticed saying, you know, roughly the last couple of weeks that my, uh, my communication wasn't as, um, wasn't as thorough as it had been previously because uh, my, my school workload was, was kind of taking a hold of things and two things popped up in my head. One, I realized that I didn't realize the impact of the business side of things, how that was going to impact other people or create a future for someone else. And then the second piece was, <clears throat> the second piece was, I really got to go full time into this thing and I have to leave school. Like there's no other, this feels more real to me. Um, and I remember getting home that night, speaking to my mom and honestly, bless her. She, she's always stood by my decisions. Um, even when they did not look like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> decisions that you, you should stand behind. But yeah, she trusted me. She said, you know, if this, if, if this is what you feel you need to do, do it. Um, my mom always told me as a kid that, and I, and I think actually this is what drives my behavior, um, subconsciously, she's always told me, Corey, you can do, <clears throat> excuse me, you can do anything. You know, if you want to be the president, you can be a president. If you want to be an astronaut, you can be an astronaut. If you want to be whoever you, all you have to do is, you know, if you work hard enough, you'll get it. That's it. And, um, I, th I definitely think that belief system has helped me through moments where I feel like it was very easy to break down. I, I, I sort of created a new story and a new narrative and I, it helped me push through. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, she, she, she said, okay, <clears throat> sorry, I'm, I was a little <laughs> cracky right now. Um, <clears throat> so she, she said, okay. And I, I went to go speak to my teacher cause I was like, okay, you know, my mom's on board, but let me make sure, you know, this is something, this isn't just an emotional impulse decision. I want to make sure that like, this is a legitimate decision. So I spoke to um, one of my professors and she said, Corey, look, what, what's your goal after this? What do you want to do? Um, do you want to work for an agency after you leave school or do you want to do your own thing? And I said, honestly, I, I do want to do my own thing. And she said, well, let me see your portfolio. And I showed her my portfolio and she said, Corey, then you, you know, you don't need to be here. Yeah. And I, that, that, as soon as I got that confirmation, I was yeah. like, okay, I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. And then from there, um, got home, maybe a few days, <laughs> actually not timing wise. I think this was actually a few days later, or at least within the span of a week, I got an email from this guy, um, Brendan Burchard, and he, uh, he was a, um, so he's in the marketing uh, space. Uh, this was roughly maybe 2013, I believe. And he was hosting this event in California mm -hmm. um, for to connect thought leaders and just help people grow their brands. Um, it was a three day conference. 
And so I was like, oh my goodness, I have never traveled alone before, but I feel like I really gotta go to this place. Um, I was nine, I was 19 at the time, and I was like, I'm just gonna do it. So I ended up maxing out a credit card. I went wow. and I remember walking into the room and realizing, oh, I'm the youngest person here. <laughs> and I don't know anybody. <laughs> And um, <laughs> it was very intimidating. It was very intimidating. Yeah. Um, but I met a lot of really good people. I'm really good friends with till this day. Mm. Um, and yeah, it just opened it opened up my eyes to a bigger world than I thought was possible at the time. Yeah. And I, after I left that conference, I was 100 like I'm going all in. Like mm. this is it. This there's no other there's no other option. This is mm -hmm. it. I'm burning the boats. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So then I, I went full time into I went full time into the work. Um, and then fast forward, uh, maybe a few. Yeah, about a few years later, there was this. So have you heard of, of course, you, you, you've heard of Drake by now. Yes. Um, back then, I actually had to ask people if they knew Drake. And somebody, oh, I think I heard of someone like that. Um, yeah. So Drake has this thing called OVO Fest. And mm -hmm. it's essentially a music festival that he hosts in Toronto uh, every summer. And we'd been at one of the nights um, at the after party. And then we went to go get food, uh, sitting uh, with some friends at a table. And they'd, we were just having a conversation and I heard some fireworks outside mm -hmm. and I looked outside and I didn't really see anything. So I looked back over and everyone was under their tables. Mm -hmm. And I realized that they weren't fireworks, they were gunshots. Oh, wow. So I go on, yeah, and I go under the table, I'm looking at my friends and I'm like, what do we do? I've never been in a situation like this. Wow. And we're kind of like, well, you know, no one knows. And from under, so we're under the table and I see some guys start walking from the back of the restaurant to the front doors and we're right beside the front doors. And um, I hear this guy yellow, you think we're afraid? And I can only see his waist down and I, from his waist, I see him pull out this silver gun and I'm, my heart drops, I'm like, oh no, what's about to happen? And I remember just thinking, having a few flash thoughts of just projecting possible, you know, f futures you know, and, and things that can happen. And this other guy from the back of the restaurant doesn't say a word. He pulls out a black gun and I'm like, okay, this can get really bad because we're right in front of the entrance where this is happening and we can't really move. And I look at my friends and, um, <laughs> I'm saying it cooler than it was. Honestly, I was in my head. I was freaking out. I was, yeah, silent, I was freaking out. I was thinking in my head, you know, I'm, I'm working all these hours and I'm not mm -hmm. spending time with my family. Um, you know, I've, I feel like I've just been partially living up to my full potential. Mm -hmm. I've been, I've been doing, I know I can go higher, but I've just been operating at a certain level. And I, I feel like if I were to go right now, I'd be so disappointed. That was the thought. Like if something happened, let's say a uh, worst case scenario, it, it, you know, I was highly aware that I'll be, uh, I have a feeling everything's going to be okay. But like worst case scenario, I'm in this situation, something happens. I would not be happy with this turnout. Um, so fast forward, I was okay, of course, we're here. Mm. Um, the guys end up, um, I get, I, yeah, they came in or, and they, <clears throat> excuse me, they said everything's all good. Um, and everyone just got up from under their tables and just ran out. Everyone stormed out wow. the restaurant. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I def, I left the restaurant a different Corey. Okay. No um, yeah, no yeah. Wow, that's and then, incredible. Yeah. And then, I mean, yeah, that, then, that the reaction you had was a, a very Canadian reaction. Like, ooh, fireworks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, yeah, you're Canadian. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah, keep going with yeah. the stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, after that, I got home and I, was, I made a decision. I'm going to make this business thing, like, really, really work. And that's when I started, like, visualizing, like, the trips, like, mm. living in different places. Interesting, actually, now that I'm saying that out loud, I feel like that created a drive for me wanting to leave. Yeah. I think that that drama is, in a way, 
part of the process of waking somebody up who's gotten too comfortable or too committed to that grind, right? Where you feel like you don't have time to pause. You don't have time to reevaluate. Like you just need to push through to the next project or the next deliverable or the next thing. And then like I, I have been noticing and what I shared with you before we started recording around the journey that a lot of people need to go through in order to reconnect with that lost part of themselves. And a lot of times it is some type of dramatic or epic loss. And maybe that's losing a job or losing a relationship or losing your health, or maybe it's just the visceral response to that being so threatened. And so when you were Mm. in that moment, it didn't need to, like the bullets didn't need to hit you in order to shift that energy and open up the space to help you prioritize. And in that moment, it seems like the priority was a check-in, a a reevaluation, you know, like a, a hard talk with yourself to be like, okay, if I go right now, because I could go at any moment, but today I'm like, it's shot. You know, if that's the case, what legacy have I left behind or will I have left behind? And how do I feel about that? And when the answer to that is unsatisfactory, then I think it's natural and inevitable that something would have been catalyzed And then the process is, or the next step is, what do you do with that? Do you numb that out because you're scared? Or do you lean into that because you know how important and powerful it is? Yeah. 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 Perfectly said. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think it's so interesting also um, because at the beginning of, of what you just shared, when you were talking about going to your professor and trying to evaluate, like, do I stay in school or do I leave? It was so um, powerful that the word that you used when she said, yeah, like, I think you're, you're good to go. You didn't use the word permission, which is what most people have shared with me that they needed some type of permission. You use the word confirmation which I think is so badass because it reveals that you knew and you were connected to that knowing. And sure, you needed something outside of you to, um, to help push you forward because you didn't quite have that momentum or that energy building enough in you at that time. But I love that you use the word confirmation because yeah, it just, it reveals that you had that confidence and that sense of purpose even before you knew how to actually do that or how one gets from point a to point b and and you also shared a lot about how you taught yourself what you needed to know and about how you connected with community and i think that's a big piece that often gets lost in the creative process is the community piece Because when we think of the traditional artists, we think of them alone in their studio doing crazy experimental things, you know, but everybody that I've talked to that has been able to fully integrate their creativity and build a lifestyle that supports that has a really strong community aspect. Like it was part of the catalyst. It's part of what, what continues to build that momentum and that forward movement. And so I, it's, sort of perfect that you shared that without me needing to even ask about that piece because it is so fundamental in in crossing the chasm from this is something I do for me in my bedroom or in my closet recording studio to this is something that I am bringing into the world that is almost more like a, a dharma than a hobby, right? Like this is part of who I am and I need to share this as part of my purpose, because if I don't, I'll be disappointed in myself when I die. And I'm, I'm so struck with your story of how you, you found yourself in all these different situations and you used your creativity mixed with having a really clear and healthy perspective while also having 
skills and community and like the tangible tools and things that you need to do what you want to do well, like well enough to sell it, well enough that it can generate income is, is such a potent combination. Yeah. And it feels, it feels powerful. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 just one of those things where I, you're always, you just I don't get to reflect on all those things. You know what I mean? Do the do these conversations that get I get to like stop for a second and you know. So thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's such a pleasure. I mean, nothing lights me up more than stories of discovery and redemption. As we, as we sort of move into the last part of this podcast, I would love to hear about how you support yourself and maintain these, these characteristics that seem natural, right? Like the, the confidence, the commitment to creativity, the being in touch with your, your body through dance, through music, through, you know, travel and and all of the the movement associated with that but how how do you now design a lifestyle for yourself that supports both your growing and expanding business you've just launched another uh, business viral impact studios and also making enough space for your blossoming musical career so now that you're yeah. in this place and you have these two very different expressions of creativity that seem like fundamentally part of who you've always been, how do you navigate that in a way that feels nourishing for you rather than overwhelming? Yeah, yeah. It's so it's definitely been a discovery process, like figuring out like how do I create that balance? Yeah. Um and so like for example for the first idea was okay um i'm going to have a specific season where it's like okay this is my creative like music season um fourth quarter that's when i really like work and i I put out my next um collection let's say and i realized recently i can't really do that i need it more (laughs) consistently um so now shifting to weekends so during the weekends that's when i'm creating so like for example tomorrow i'll be in the studio from 1 to 7 p.m. And now in regards to like putting it out, maybe I can still release it in the fourth quarter, but during the actual creation process, I need to constantly be creating. Otherwise, during the week, I get grumpy. <laughs> that's that's the reality. It's a balancer, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah. that blocked uh, creativity can manifest into all different forms. Grumpy, I think, is the, the lightest form of that, but... I think also if it's blocked for too long, it also starts to manifest into anxiety or depression Mm -hmm. or stagnation, disconnection, isolation, like some, some, something more dangerous and sinister. Yeah. Cause, and cause this is the thing it's as humans, we all want to be understood, seen and heard, but it's, it's really hard to feel that way if we aren't being the deeper version of ourself that's actually craving those those innate human desires and it's it's a process it's a process of taking off those those identities those more not the illusory identities that were sort of conditioned into us uh, growing up and, and slowly stripping those away until we finally find who we are and we can show that person to the world and it's a process. It's yeah. It's definitely self discovery. Um, sort of seeing, trying out different things, seeing what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Um, I think tools for me to to get deeper into myself is hundred percent been through my creativity. It's also been quite the healing tool for me. Um, but things like meditation, when I can meditate, breath work. Um, uh, gym, gym's another thing. If I, I'm not going to the gym, I get a little bit grumpy oh. during the week, but it's fine. It's fine. It's a balance. It's a balance. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's so cu- coming back to sort of the balance 
now it's also figuring out how do I bring more of myself, more of my artistry into my business as, as well? How do I make it more creative? How do I express myself so I feel that, you know, my, my music side, I'm fully authentically expressing myself and on my business side, I'm fully expressing um, my, authentic, my authentic self so that those bridges can be gapped. Yeah. Um, so everything makes sense to me. And I guess from a brand perspective, when people find me somewhere, it makes sense to them, mm -hmm. you know? So it's a process, it's a, it's a process. Um, and yeah, I feel like we're always changing, we're always evolving, we're always growing. Yeah. So this is just something that we're always going to have to do little tweaks, little optimizations yeah. as, as we grow older and older. So yeah, this is life. Yeah, yeah. I, I fully subscribe to that idea also of iteration, right? Like. Yeah. trying smaller things, trying experiments, building up your momentum, testing where the boundaries are, failing fast and cheap if that's what's coming for you. Like really just being strategic with how you dance with your creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd yeah. love I'd love also to hear how you balance the need for creative self-expression with the simultaneous need in a business context to connect that with an audience that's willing to pay for it. So how do you do yeah, that? That's huge. Yeah, yeah. So so number one, it's figuring out who it's number one figuring out the audience. So so let's say you already have something, um, you already know what your gift, talent, or genius or skill is. Um, it's figuring out what audience you feel you're going to naturally connect with the most and feel comfortable fully expressing who you are the most with. And then from there, um, it's creating content that's creative, that connects with you, but checks all the boxes. So it's figuring out how do I creatively check all of the boxes. Um, and yeah, yeah. And obviously the boxes are like, you know, if you're if you are selling a product, it's like, how do you do that in a way that's entertaining, funny, lighthearted uh, in you? You know, if um, you're creating a piece of content to talk to somebody's specific problem, it's like, how do you make that entertaining and engaging to watch that's entertaining for you for you to, you know, create as well in the process? Um, it's, it's figuring out when you're creating this thing, how can you also feel that you are authentically seen, heard and understood as well so that everything you put out, you're in complete alignment with, um, it's a balance. It's a balance of, of connecting with your audience on this end and making sure that you're helping them get to where they want to be. But it's also on this end, doing it in a way that's within that, that you get to be yourself to do that so that because at the end of the day, if you can be yourself doing it, you're going to get them better results because if you're enjoying the process more, they're going to enjoy the process more. They're going to be attracted more to the process because you're putting out that energy and people are going to reciprocate the energy that you put out. So I feel, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's combining that strategy with the creativity and your heart, your passion, you know? Yeah. And when you attempt that, and it doesn't land, how do you recover and reorient? Yes, so <laughs> the thing with art and creativity can be quite vulnerable, <laughs> um, a vulnerable process. I, I think, I think in, it's realizing that if people don't connect with it, it's not because anything was wrong, it's simply because it didn't connect. It's almost like having a number on the phone and realizing, oh, I've been, they haven't been picking up because I've just been calling the wrong number. So it's figuring out how to create something that's going to connect with them uh, so that when you put it out, they feel called to watch it or connect and engage with it. So uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just going back to a drawing board and saying, OK, cool, you know, concept one didn't work. Let's try concept two, um, but still keeping that same formula of making sure that it's going to impact the audience that you feel authentically connected to connect with and build, and build a, 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 um, a relationship with. And then from there, figuring out how you can creatively deliver that impact. Yeah. Yeah. I think in a way that feels true to you. Yeah. 
I think what, what you shared earlier also about the meditation and breath work and self-development, that definitely helps me when my ego is reeling from my, my vulnerable expression, not being received or being received and not uh, appreciated by my audience. It's a, it's a process of returning back to that place inside of you that reminds you it's okay. This is not a rejection of you as a person. This is because it didn't connect. Try again, try it in a different way. And that, exactly. that developing resilience through an iterative process, I think is an important part. And it removes some of the pressure to, you know, come out the gate 100%. with something that is just perfectly resonant for your exact ideal audience. Yeah, it, it, it's like music. If you look at a lot of artists, uh, artists' stories, the song that was the big hit that got them the most um, known was usually the songs that they're actually about to take away from the album because they didn't like it as much, yeah. strangely enough. Yeah. Um, so it's almost the unexpected, um, let's say, content we put out or creations that end up connecting the most. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where we just got to continuously put out whatever our form of creation is and eventually it'll land, it'll, it'll connect. Sometimes the universe just has to decide when it's your time, you know, <laughs> yeah. the only thing we can do is be consistent and just keep trying. Um, how many times again did it take Edison to, to do the light? To, like to a thousand, a thousand, he yeah. found a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we have to have some Edison energy and just keep going at it. We got to be resilient. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it takes time. It takes time. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 That's that's the journey. And I think now just in in closing to some this whole journey that you've been on and that you continue to stay on. If you had any words of wisdom that you could share with perhaps your younger self, what would those words be? I would say to embrace the journey, be as present as possible. Um, let go of the future and just enjoy the ride. That's it. That's it. Enjoy the ride. Because the things were... We're in a place where this whole game of life, this whole game is that on every level there's going to be a challenge. And that's the point of a game because you have to beat each level. And uh, the only way to beat a level is for there to be a challenge uh, that exists. So I think it's to embrace the challenges, um, realize, you know, there's going to be a next one that's part of the game. And whenever there's a problem, don't call it a problem, call it a puzzle that you need to solve. Make it a game, gamify the experience. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think if we can learn to just enjoy the process more, I th always feel like the, the, you know, the universe, um, or love by law of attraction, whatever it might be, um, it'll usually give you an easier experience, um, to help you along the way. And I, another thing is just feel the fear can like do it anyways. Um, but realize a fear is a part of the game. It's, it's, it's not about overcoming fear and becoming fearless. It's learning how to manage fear and uh, leverage it to create, <clears throat> create a new story, reframe certain things. And um, yeah. And finally, where can we follow along on your journey? What is next for you? And how can we show up for you like you've shown up for us today? Yeah, yeah. Uh, mostly Instagram. I love Instagram. Um, Instagram at that Corey Iris um, or CoreyIris.com. Um, you know, also Viral Impact Studios if you want to learn branding content. That's really about it. Awesome. That's about it. Great. Yeah. We'll put that yeah. in the in the show notes for sure, along with a lot Perfect. of the other things we discussed, including the books and and other resources that you've mentioned. So. Thank you so much for showing up and being so open with your story and being so reflective and again, generous with your knowledge and experience and wisdom. It's deeply appreciated. Uh, 
honestly thank you for opening up this pla this platform this space to me for me to even talk about and ex express these and share these stories i don't get to tell these a lot so i really appreciate you inviting me on yeah thank you such a thank pleasure you. thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the art of lost and found podcast I hope that you are feeling inspired and empowered to go forth and explore your curiosity and creativity. As always, if you want any more information about any of our guests or the show notes or anything we discussed on today's episode, you can head over to www.brookeston.com podcast. Thank you so much and looking forward to seeing you in the next episode.